hello everybody and welcome back to Practice Makes Faithful. Today we are in Season 2, Episode 17, our final series of Season 2. There's going to be a three-week series that we're diving into today. I'm excited to jump into that conversation. I'm Ben Patterson, joined by here by Paul Hubert. Yeah, Ben, as you're saying that, it's, it's almost wild to think we are at, really nearing the end of 2022. Yeah, which, yeah. Uh, which is pretty kinda crazy. Wild. So New Year on the horizon. Um, it is kind of wild when you think about it. I mean, at time does time does fly. So the end of this season. So uh, you know, beginning a third season at the beginning of January. I mean, that's yeah. It is. It is yeah. pretty neat to think about that. So so here we are. Um, you know, in December. Obviously, getting ready for Christmas. So yes, sir. Yeah. Stuff in that. Speaking of that, how's how's that going for you? Getting ready for Christmas. What are y'all like? What's the what's the Christmas season looking like around the Hugo Bar house? Yeah. Well, I mean, we decorated. I don't know. Did I send you a picture of our our decorated no, tree? No, you haven't. I, I meant to. I meant to Definitely just to kind of say, here we are, Ben. The tree is officially up. So uh, we live or artificial? Artificial. Okay. Yep. So oh. artificial. Yep. So oh, I've got live this, like, tree. I know. I know. <laughs> I've got this kind of tender spot in my heart since I was a kid for cutting down a tree just for it to sit there for a season. And that is crazy because I'm not like, you know, I'm not like crazy environmentalist or anything like that at all. Not, you know, if there's a crazy environmentalist listening, um, I'm not calling you crazy. We welcome you. Yeah, Thank yeah, you, we, you know, the, yeah, so, um, you know, but, you know, just saying, uh, you know, for me, I have a hard time just for just for 25, 30 days cutting down a tree. And then, so actually, you know, when, when I was Called a kid. right now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. So when I was a kid, we actually used to buy, um, buy the tree with the root ball from time to time. And we would, you know, so that was, you know, when we lived in Europe and we would sometimes even plant that, you know, I kind of have memories of that. And, and I don't think that, was, that wasn't because of me, I don't think. I don't know. That developed later on that I just had a hard time cutting down a tree. Um, so we've, I don't know that in our married life, we've actually had mm. anything but an artificial tree. Wow. Yeah. So, but, but, you know, so we got that tree up and it's, you know, it's, it's a, an artificial, you know, as we talked about the tree that can look real, really like yeah. the real thing. It, man, it looks like the real thing. If you're standing five feet from it, you, you wouldn't know right away. We keep the little bottle of Christmas tree mm-hmm. smell mm-hmm. right by it. So we'll spray that on it every now and then. And, um, you know, as far as you know, getting ready for it, you know, we we enjoy doing kind of some of the holiday things. So um, so we got to do some caroling this Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lori took our daughter to uh, to you know big tree lighting, different things like that. And, you know, so there are fun things you can do this time of year. We have had this tradition where um, there is a park, a county over, um, kind of a county park where they do. Uh, they decorate the park with lights and like it, you know, it's moving lights. It's a drive-through exhibit. And so okay. it's a big, big thing that you go through and it'll take you know, 25, 30 minutes to drive through it. Um, and, you know, you give your 20 bucks and then you can do it multiple times. And so oftentimes we'll do it a few times. There's this tunnel of lights that the ki- kids love going through. And so we've done that for, for several years now. I'm sure we'll do that at some point in time in the next couple mm-hmm. of weeks. And then obviously we got our stuff that we ha- that happens here at Grace Chapel. So I mean, there's yes. definitely a lot of things that you'd, you know, could kind of say that are traditions in a sense. Um, I know you are Mr. Christmas, so is, I'm certain there have to name. be some traditions 
that, that you uh, that you entertain every year. So. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, <clears throat> man. At this point, I'm just getting I'm getting geared up. I I just finished up with my school, so now fully hey, can kind of congratulations. Yes, thank you, thank you. I yeah. can fully switch over to Christmas mode at this point. Man. Gearing up with the Christmas movies, the music, like, honestly, the media is one of my favorite parts about it, huh. is it just, just the ambiance that it adds throughout the season yeah. of, uh, man, Crowder, just a quick shout out, Crowder released a new Christmas album okay. this year, it's brilliant, you should all check it out, Crowder's okay. Christmas album, Milk and Cookies, it's amazing, but um, it is... Uh, so, man, I'm getting geared up with that, hoping to go to a couple. I always like to go to a, a live show or two okay. um, throughout the season. So sometimes I go downtown. I've seen, like, Christmas Carol. Wow. and um, They've got a performance of the Nutcracker at, like, the new okay. Forsyth County Performing Arts Center thing. Really? Yeah. I didn't so, know there was such a thing. So we've got a Performing Arts Center in the yeah, county here so yeah. somewhere. It's, uh, okay. it's brand new. It's, like, right by the education building, if that. Okay. Means anything yeah. To you. But um, yeah, it's pretty dope. So I'm hoping to go to that this year. So yeah, interesting. Okay. Very all those cool. little festivities. Um, always love a good Christmas party too. Get yeah. ready for that with my small group. We do the whole Excellent. you know white elephant gift exchange. Yes. All that. Yeah, fun we're stuff. doing ours with our small group on uh, Sunday evening and kind of a nice meal. Uh, we got stuff. a family that, that every time around the holidays in our small group uh, will host a really nice meal. And man, they they put it on, which is. Uh, which is really cool. I enjoy that piece mm. of it. So I love that. Yeah. Awesome. And good stuff. It is a fun, really fun season. It and, is. Uh, yeah. And in addition to that, <laughs> and really the, the center of that is obviously the Christmas story that we focus yeah. on, that we're focusing on here at Grace Chapel in this series called Christory. Mm -hmm. um, I'm pronouncing it right. Is it Christory? Christ story. Yeah. Christ story. Christ story. Christ story. Yeah. Okay. Christory so kind we're of. Kind of yeah. 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 We're bringing together the word Christ and history, right? Kind of smashing mm -hmm. those together, looking at the historicity of yes. the Christmas story. Yeah. According to Luke's account, That's Luke right. was really, uh, really adamant about yes. his his history, right? He's doing That's the right. research. He's throwing in dates, throwing in names, really trying to prove to us yes. that this story actually happened. So. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of what we're in this month. Would yeah. you tell us, why are we doing this series? Why does this matter? Why are we talking about the history of the Christmas story? Yeah, well, you know, so first there is kind of this, uh, this piece as a preacher, you know, Christmas rolls around every year. And so uh, to some degree, you want to kind of try to find a new angle to come at mm -hmm, things mm -hmm. um, so that, uh, you know, you're not doing the same thing every year. You're giving a new look at the significance of the birth of Christ, a new angle, as I said, and, and maybe that's, only super important in my mind, you know, there's a reality that probably, you know, many people, we've got new folks here at Grace Chapel every year. So if I preached what I preached last year, there would probably only be so many folks who would say, hey, wait a minute, didn't we hear this exactly last year? And to some degree, we do hear somewhat the same story every year. Um, but certainly each of the gospel authors that talk about the birth of Jesus come at it from a very different angle, you know. So uh, John comes at it from very much kind of like the cosmic view, uh, you know, the, the word becoming flesh and, mm -hmm. you know, in this, uh, you know, very, very much what, what happened in the spiritual realm, what became physical, um, you know, Matthew obviously has his angle. Um, and then Luke <clears throat> takes, takes this very um, evidence and history based view and actually lays out his progression for making his case for his whole gospel, basically saying, look, there are a lot of people who've tried to write this story of Jesus, who've tried to tell this story of Jesus. I want to do the same thing, but 
I really want to go at it from a very detailed perspective and I'm going to go and I'm going to talk to these eyewitnesses and I'm going to find the stories as they were handed down. I'm going to deal in uh, the prophecies that were fulfilled and certainly Matthew does that quite a bit as well. Um, but Luke says at the, at the beginning of his gospel, he said, you know, I've gone at this like an investigator would go at it. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, it's like CSI trying to put all the details together, bring everything together to tell the complete story. That's what Luke says he's trying to do. So I'm writing up this account, this historical account, this evidence-based account, this investigated account. Then he says, for, for you, most excellent, Theophilus. You know, and Theophilus may have been a person. We don't really know. I mean, he also writes Acts for mm -hmm. Theophilus. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, it's interesting that Theophilus in the Greek actually means lover of God or one who loves God. And so, um, yes, it could be that he's writing for... Um, for one person whose name was Theophilus, who was most excellent Theophilus, so maybe was an official of some sort, um, who maybe even it changed his name to lover of God, you mm -hmm. know, in a sense, um, or could have had that name to begin with, or it could be code for, hey, I'm writing this to all of you Christ followers who love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I'm writing this as, as a support to the faith that you've now taken on and yeah. you know certainly with the early church uh, preparing to undergo persecution maybe Luke was writing into that situation so that they would cling and hold on to their faith um, all of that could be now in that he weaves or he begins with the birth story of Jesus mm -hmm. um, you know which um, you know which which is kind of you know it, it is at the heart of what we think about when we think about the christmas story which mm -hmm. is kind of funny because mm -hmm. i you know i didn't grow up with that that mind frame you know that the that the christmas story was about jesus in fact you know i grew up kind of in the more um you know and there have been a number of christian denominations and groups who've taken this line from time to time that you know we don't we don't celebrate the birth of Jesus at Christmas because we don't know when Jesus was born and that's mm -hmm. that's very mm -hmm. true. We don't know when Jesus was born. We know in a roundabout way why December 25th was designated yeah. and then we know that others have made ca a case yeah. for why that's a really good time to think about, especially given John's gospel, you know, the light coming into the darkness. Well, December 25th, uh, especially before electricity and other things like that and you know, especially in, you know, uh, central and northern Europe would have been uh, a very dark time of year. Mm -hmm. And so in this darkest time of year, we're thinking about the light coming into the darkness mm -hmm. uh, as, John, as John shares that. And so certainly from that perspective, it makes sense to celebrate the birth of Christ at this time when the days are shortest. Mm -hmm. You know, thinking about things starting anew and certainly, you know, spring doesn't begin until um, what is that? March 21st, I think, is the like first yeah. official day of spring. But the, the longest or the shortest day of the year is around December 20th, 21st. And so that turnaround of the days are getting longer. There's hope, you know, and the hope that Jesus symbolizes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So right around the 25th, there, there are many who've said, look, whatever. We, yeah, we don't know when Jesus was actually born, but this is a great time of year to celebrate this, to remember this, that yeah. in the darkest time of year, yeah. the light is coming, mm -hmm, you know, and so... Mm -hmm. There's, you know, using that as imagery or metaphor, uh, that kind of thing. And so, um, you know, I think as, as we think about, um, you know, this, this Christmas story, taking this angle at it is pretty neat because we live in a season where, um, you know, where there's a lot of challenge to 
the historical accuracy of not just the story of the birth of Jesus, um, but a lot of people are making challenges to the historical accuracy of, of the Bible whatsoever. And it just so happens that Luke does everything he can to anchor this within the history of that day. Uh, as you said, you know, uh, in, in a sense, almost dropping names here and there and saying, you yeah. know, uh, let me tell you exactly when this happened. I want you to know exactly <laughs> when this happened. I want you to know the date. I want you to know the time. I want you to know the place. I want you to know all these mm-hmm. things as we walk through this. You know, so he begins with talking about in the time of Herod, king of Judea. Then he says, look, there's this priest named Zechariah. I mean, he goes through all of this stuff, telling us the time, telling us the place. And he's going to do that throughout the next, the, the next three weeks as we walk through this series, uh, Christ's story with Christ and history in there uh, together. He's going to be every time presenting, here's when this happened. Here's where this happened even sometimes giving us um, at least a glimpse into the fulfilled prophecy as he talks about right at the beginning of his gospel, saying, look, I want to tell you about all these things that have been fulfilled among us just as they were handed down to us by the prophets, you know, and then eyewitnesses as well. I mean, I'm telling you all this stuff that came to us in this very historical, uh, in in a historical narrative, basically. You know, I talked on Sunday morning about the fact that... um, I love watching movies that I know have some historical basis. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're based on history. Um, and, you know, what I'll find myself doing oftentimes when I'm sitting there watching one of those movies is I, I have to pull out my phone to figure out, okay, was that, did that really happen? Yeah, yeah. Did that piece of the story really happen? And that's yeah. almost what Luke, Luke is doing. I mean, he's like our Google fact check <laughs> here in a sense to figure out, did this really happen? Well, Luke wants, to, wants us to know from square one, I want to tell you what happened. It's a story, but it's not just a story. This is history. You know, so Luke is that, that's his emphasis as he shares his whole gospel, but then this very much then also applies uh, mm-hmm. to the birth story of Jesus. So when we celebrate Christmas, again, even for those who have you know that, that ongoing struggle in the back of their mind uh, about well, but Jesus wasn't born on the twenty fifth. Okay, fine, whatever. Let's let's first acknowledge. It is good for us to celebrate the moment that God took on flesh and made his dwelling place among us. The moment that Emmanuel, God with us, where where that became the forevermore reality. I mean, it's good for us to celebrate that. It's even good in this season for us to celebrate that. In the darkest time of year, here is the light coming into the darkness. I mean, for me, that's that's even beautiful and significant as I think about it. And so Let's, let's wrap ourselves around this and celebrate it because it's worth celebrating. Mm-hmm. And then let's realize we're not just celebrating a neat story. We're celebrating history. Again, the moment that That's God good. broke into history, making himself known in the presence of his son, Jesus Christ, who walked mm-hmm. among us, mm-hmm. who lived his life for us, who gave his life for us, all of that that goes That's with good. that. So give us a summary of this week's message. Kind of where, where'd you go with that this week as you kind of are kicking off this series? Yeah, so, um, you know, it's interesting. Uh, we began by, by looking at not the story of the birth of Christ, and that's because Luke doesn't do that. He actually begins by talking about the story of the birth of John the Baptist. Mm-hmm. He talks mm-hmm. about uh, the, the, basically the, the prophecy that was given to Zechariah when Zechariah is in the temple. Um, you know, so... Here comes, you know, this angel, the angel says to Zechariah, look, you're, you know, you and Elizabeth, your wife are old, but you're going to have a baby. And, you know, the, the, the purpose of this baby is going to be to prepare the way for the coming of, of the Messiah, basically, of the Lord. You know, so 
he's going to prepare the way for Jesus. Mm -hmm. So this is, of course, is talking about John the Baptist. Um, and so, you know, that is the whole focus of this first little bit of Luke's gospel. Luke first says, look, all this is anchored in history. Then he goes into talking about this story of, uh, you know, the angel appearing to Zechariah in the temple. Zechariah mm -hmm. was a priest, um, you know, of the house of Aaron. So it's all about this idea of there is one coming to prepare the way for Christ, you know, and so this is this is where uh, the, it ends in verse 17 with these words, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children, and the disobedient of the, the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And so, um, you know, I, I said at the beginning uh, of this message, just kind of trying to get people to think about. Uh, th this word preparation. And so we'll be moving through uh, this series in three parts. So we got preparation first, declaration second, celebration third. So next week, uh, declaration in the last week of this series uh, will be celebration. Okay. So we begin with preparation and we see that in Luke's gospel, here is God preparing the way for Jesus. And so ask people to think about, you know, well, what kind of things do you prepare for? I mean, we often prepare for things like trips, you know, especially this time of year, we think about that. I mean, you know, if you're uh, taking gifts with you, you want to make sure all those gifts are packed and you want to make sure they're packed in a way that uh, the gifts don't get damaged. And if you wrap them before, the wrapping paper doesn't get damaged and everything has to be packed in just right so that you can make this trip, right? Um, you also probably have a list so that you don't leave anything behind. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of parties and a lot of dinners happening this time of year. Well, you want to make sure that all those things are prepared just right. Or you know you just finished school, so you might have a project that you know that you you've got to get this. I mean everything's got to be done right. You don't want to hand in a halfway done paper. Yeah. You want to hand in a fully completed paper that that you feel good about and all you know. So um, so all these things that we we prepared for and I I slipped in the joke that I, I thought would be really funny too. You know, it means talking about some people prepare for doomsday. Or anybody out there prepare for doomsday? It's, you know, so um, you know the doomsday prepper thing is a little funny to me. Apparently it wasn't so funny to. So apparently we must have a whole church of doomsday preppers. Yeah, so I really stepped on their preppers. toes, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um, on Sunday morning, but uh, yeah, or or I'm the you know you know maybe there's only a few of us who actually know about the whole doomsday prepper thing, and maybe most most people are oblivious to that. But uh, um, but but anyhow, good. Yeah, well, good. thanks, thanks, I appreciate it. I mean, I, the people I, on the podcast now are just like erupting in laughter. They're right? erupting in laughter. Yeah. Yeah. They're probably going to need to pause it just to contain themselves. There were four solid chuckles out, yeah. out in the out in the crowd of you know four or five hundred. So um, <laughs> you know, but uh, I, I think you know the the whole idea of preparation to me is, is significant, especially based upon this statement. And I know we're going to come back and check in on this in just a minute, but. Um, but I think this is, this is significant in this, that, you know, when you think about preparation, we prepare most thoroughly for the things we value most deeply. Mm. You know, so let me say that again, and I know you'll say it again in a minute too, but, you know, we prepare most thoroughly for the things we value most deeply. And so the whole message was really setting the stage for thinking about this idea that, um, that God prepared the way, I mean, God sent John the Baptist to prepare the way for Jesus. Mm -hmm. But God didn't just prepare the way. It wasn't like, okay, well, God kind of forgot, you know, or, or this was a last minute plan. And so God was just trying to get the last minute details right. And so six months before Jesus is born, we got to make sure we prepare the way. And so I'm sending John the Baptist. You know, I, I talked just about a few prophecies because again, Luke is big on this idea of, of prophecy. And so he wants to connect um, 
he wants to connect our understanding of the birth of Jesus with the preparation that God had been doing for thousands of years, whether it be you know, a prophecy to, to Abraham or whether it be even before that prophecy to Abraham, whether it be in Genesis 3, the first kind of allusion that we get to, um, to, to the coming of some sort of Messiah who would crush the head of the serpent, right, as he's going after the heel, basically. You know, that, that there would be one who would come to set things right in that sense. You know, then you get the prophecy in Genesis 12 given to Abram at that time, wasn't Abraham yet, um, to say, you know, there will be this day when um, your seed will bless all nations. All people on earth will be blessed through you. So, you know, that being a very significant thing. Then beyond that, you know, the prophecy to David that again, through your offspring and seed and offspring both are uh, singular there, if I remember correctly. So, you know, an allusion to one person coming that will bless all the earth or that an everlasting kingdom will be established through. Mm -hmm. uh, th this is Christmas type language, you know, when we mm -hmm. think about an everlasting kingdom, you know, he shall reign forever and ever, you know, I mean, that kind of stuff, you know, or the prophecy made through Micah in probably, you know, probably roughly 750 years before the birth of Jesus about this little town called Bethlehem which back in the day of Micah would have been, and it was basically a pile of stones in, in the time of Jesus' birth as well. You know, it was a little larger by the time, you know, in the first century, but it was a pile of stones in the day of Micah. I mean, it was a very, very small place. And, you know, here's Micah saying, look, there's one who's coming whose origin is from old, from ancient times. I mean, the language in that is, you know, just as Jesus says, I am who I am. Like, I, like even before, before Abraham, before Moses, I mean, I, I am. I've always been, you know, so in the beginning, there I was, you know, that's, that's John's account of the birth of Christ. And so in the beginning was the Word, the Word was God, the Word was with God. He was with God in the beginning. Everything that was created was created through Him. I mean, all that idea um, connecting with, with Micah's prophecy and then, you know, the final one that I shared, but there are so many that we could share um, in this just to show the way that God had been preparing this you know, I mean, there are scriptures that talk about this, you know, this was God's plan since before the foundations of the earth to send Jesus, right? Since before the forming of the earth, God knew this was happening. It was going to happen and it was going to need to happen in his foreknowledge. Uh, but the Isaiah 7, 14 passage, which we'll reconnect with to some degree this Sunday morning as we're talking about Mary being that virgin. And there's probably... You know, some of these prophecies, there probably was a near fulfillment of some sort and a far fulfillment in, in Christ, um, you know, which is kind of interesting, a whole other topic to get yeah. into. But, you know, Isaiah seven fourteen says this, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Emmanuel. Mm -hmm. Well, what is Emmanuel? Is God with us? You know, so was that fulfilled maybe in the day of Isaiah in some way? I, I don't know. We don't really know about that. We don't know exactly how that would have happened if it did happen. But there's speculation that it probably was. But then the real fulfillment of that is in Jesus when we actually see God coming and becoming with us, mm -hmm. you know, being with us in, in Jesus, you know, him really being Emmanuel in that. And so, you know, when you see God being in the details through this progression 2,000 years before the birth of Christ, this, this prophecy to Abram, even before that, um, you know, in, in the days of Adam and Eve, you know, right at the fall of man. I mean, God being there, making that prophecy. But 2,000 years before Christ and Abram, 1,000 years before to, to David, you know, 750 years through the prophet Micah, then, you know, about 700-ish years before the birth of Christ and Isaiah. And there are other prophecies that continue to go on about Jesus, about the birth, about 
the way it should just show the way that God was preparing constantly the way for Jesus. And then here he is in the final details as well, mm-hmm. preparing the way through John the Baptist, which again, you know, Luke is very, very plain, very evident. I mean, speaks that very, very plainly. You know, even in the song that we see Zechariah singing as John the Baptist is born, he says these words, you know, holding this child. You know, now in his old age, he's holding this brand new baby, knowing, believing in the words of, of the angel, which by the way, he didn't, he didn't really believe right away, right? So we know about uh, Zechariah, he spent nine months not being able to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, but here, when John the Baptist is born and he's able to speak again, the first thing he does basically is sing this song where he says, and you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him. So you know, coming back to that statement again, think about the way God was in every detail. Luke wants us to know that. God was in every detail. And think about this statement as it relates to God and what he was doing as he's preparing the way for Jesus. You know, we prepare most thoroughly for the things we value most deeply. Well, what does that say yeah. about the coming of Christ? You know, so uh, a good portion of the message was, was geared to, to that kind of thinking. So, yeah, so let me ask you more about that statement. We prepare most thoroughly for the things we value most deeply. I think we, that is, that's clear, makes sense. We see that of mm-hmm. how... God did that, preparing the way for Jesus. But I think when we think of our own our own story, when we think of how we relate to Christmas, I'm just thinking of this statement. I think mm-hmm. most of us, most people listening, most of us would say the thing we value most deeply is, is Jesus, is the mm-hmm. coming of Jesus in the Christmas season. However, if we looked at our lives, if we look at our Christmas season and we say, mm-hmm. what are we preparing most thoroughly for? I don't know if it's always that. Um, yeah. And there's, there's a lot. There's a lot we're preparing for. Yes. We're preparing for trips. We're preparing for gifts. We're mm-hmm. preparing for so many things about the season. And certainly a, a, an argument can be made that some of those things are are connected, that sure. that enhance and connect to the season. But I guess I just wonder, like, what what do you mean by that statement as it pertains to our life of yeah. how we prepare most thoroughly for what we value most deeply? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, there are a number of these things that we can do to kind of check, you know, um, yeah, we, we may say, there, there are a lot of places in life where we say one thing, but if you pull back the curtain, you see the truth is maybe something different than what we actually say, you know? And so, you know, we talk sometimes this way, and I know this is uncomfortable for people because, you know, anytime we talk about money, it's uncomfortable, right? But, you know, you want to show me, you know, if, if you ask me the question, you know, what is most important to me? Um, you know, I may tell you one thing, but if you look at my bank account, you, you may find that the way we spend our money tells you a, a very different thing, right? And so, you know, it's almost like, you know, the proof is in the pudding, which, you know, could be like the proof being in figgy pudding this time of year. So, and we're not going until we get some. So, um, but, you know, there's this, there's this reality that, that sometimes our actions tell the, the tale. You know, they tell the true story. And it's true when we think about <clears throat> the things that we value most deeply, um, you know, and I know the statement kind of seems a little bit intuitive, but, but often it's good for us to contemplate these intuitive, very true statements to see what they point out about us personally, you know. So I mean, maybe just real quickly, um, you know, can challenge our listeners, watchers to think about, you know, what's, what's something recently that you have spent a lot of time preparing for? 
What does that say about the value that you place in that thing? Um, now, we could start to pull back the layers of the onion on, on some things, and obviously the, the, the ways that our different personalities are wired would play into that to some degree. You know, it, it could be that you know, it looks like somebody's preparing for an event that they, that they really value, but what they really value is the appreciation of others in that event. And so as you peel back the layers of the onion, you may find out that, uh, that there's a different motivation or the thing that they really value most deeply is different than even what it looks like at the mm -hmm. surface. But there's something there that something's putting that somebody's putting an awful lot of value mm -hmm. in, mm -hmm. even if it's the approval of other people, right? So you you did really well on uh, you know this presentation. Um, well, it could have been because you were really valuing the promotion that you thought would come if you did really well at the present you know in that presentation, or it could be because you know, everybody who was sitting in that boardroom, that conference room, you valued their opinion of you, mm. whether you mm -hmm. got the present, you know, whether you got the promotion or not. So mm -hmm. again, there's something behind all of that preparation or the motivation. There's a motivation behind the preparation in a sense. And so, yeah, I think that's very much true for, for us, um, you know, in this season. You know, if you think about the things that we're putting our effort and time into, it can be sometimes we want to get that perfect gift. Well, why do you want to get that perfect gift? Well, because of the impression it will make upon that person, because what it says about you and your thoughtfulness or whatever that goes along with that. Um, so out of that, my wondering is, you know, how much do we spend? God spent all this time preparing the way for Jesus. Uh, it moved me to this place, you know, where I, I, I asked the question on Sunday morning. I wonder um, John the Baptist, he must have known his, he knew his purpose, right? He knew his reason. He knew that he was here to prepare the way for the Lord. I mean, he, he declares that. Uh, he basically, look, he, look, here comes the Lamb of God. And, I mean, I, everything I've been doing has been setting the stage for him. Mm -hmm. um, I wonder if there was ever a time he looked out at the crowd that he'd been engaging with and thought, okay, have I really prepared these people for yep. what's coming? Have I really done that? You know, and so are these people prepared for the coming of the Lord, for the Lord mm -hmm. coming among mm -hmm. them? You know, and, and, and I, I admitted that there are times where I, I look out at us and I wonder, I look at myself and I wonder, like in this season, are, are we a people prepared for the Lord? Yeah. Uh, and and yeah. that's because I look around and I see all these things we put, uh, me, I look around and I see all these things that I put my time and energy yeah. and effort into this time of year. Yeah. Um, you know, for us, we've got year-end meetings this week, and that's that's big mm -hmm. to me. I mean, it's presentation and mm -hmm. getting all these things wrapped up, and it's consuming a whole lot of attention and energy. And I know many people have you know year-end closes and other things that happen you know, at work, and all this stuff consuming their energy and their time. And uh, the things that you know, if you're in in my life stage, you know, you've got kids and Christmas plays and performances and other things like that going on, or maybe you're kids are in dance or whatever it happens to be. And it's all these things consuming our attention. And then we've got this thing that we know that we would acknowledge if we celebrate the birth of Christ at Christmas, we would acknowledge this is the most important thing. In fact, some of us even mm -hmm. drive around with the bumper stickers. Um, you know, I don't do any bumper stickers, period. But, but some of us, you know, well, I guess that's not completely true. I have some like images and logos on the back of my truck. Uh, rear window. Um, but, but I don't really do any bumper stickers to make a statement. I don't think like that anyway. Um, but some of us will drive around with a bumper sticker that says, Jesus is the reason for a season. Mm -hmm. And I will admit I had one of those at one point in time. Um, <clears throat> you know, so we drive around making that declaration, Jesus is the reason for the season. And then we're doing all these other things 
you know, where sometimes the Jesus is the reason for the season, you know, actually came about out of this reaction because because people weren't saying Merry Christmas anymore. And so we're now yeah. kind of angry that people aren't they're just saying happy holidays. Wait, no, 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 this is about Jesus. So I want to ask the question, is it really about Jesus? Mm-hmm. And are the things you're doing in this season really showing that that you value most deeply the coming of Christ mm-hmm. in this season? You know, or the celebration of the King coming to earth, mm-hmm. God being with us, however you want to look at that and frame it. Is that what you value most deeply? Yeah. And here's how I know. Yeah. What are you doing to prepare yourself for this this beautiful moment when God became flesh and made his dwelling place among us? So mm-hmm. you know, I think maybe that hopefully that explains what, what I, I think I mean that's by good. That statement. Yeah, I think that's good. I wonder if at times we, we we know how to prepare for pop culture Christmas. We know mm-hmm. how to put up our tree. We know how to decorate. We know how to yeah. prepare our menu, prepare for our trip. Like those things, they, they feel easy that we know how to do that. But I don't know if we always know how to prepare mm-hmm. for Jesus, for focusing on Jesus' coming, for focusing on the incarnation, for yeah. preparing for that story. And we're not preparing for it, of course, it has happened, but preparing our, our hearts for a celebration of that, preparing ourselves for that celebration. I don't know if we always know how to do that. Yeah. How do we do that? How do we prepare for Christmas? Yeah, well, you know, so again, here here's the... We're going to talk about a few things that I know for some folks in our in our particular tribe historically we have not engaged in um, at times, and and some of those things you know honestly I think I think there are times where we need to get past some hangups that we've had, because if we do it will allow us to maybe engage in the richness the fullness of what could be found in uh, in really celebrating the the coming of God to earth you know in the form in the form of a baby to enjoy this story to appreciate it to see the significance of it all the nuanced significance of it as well you know I I think um, you know in in our home for the last several years we have you know we we spent yesterday kind of catching up a little bit so that we could be at the right place but I mean we've walked through an advent calendar and I know that for some folks especially in our kind of uh, do you mean like the kind with the little chocolates in it, or are you talking about something else? Well, I mean, we've, we've done that kind before. Um, you know, we've got one that we pass out here at church in the kids' ministry. We've used that before. We've also, we've got this little one that's got these different figures that Lori will wrap up, and they're the characters of the story. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, especially when our kids were younger, that one was a, was a good one because it, you know, as we unwrap the, the character, whatever that character may be, we read a little bit about what's mm-hmm, significant mm-hmm. for that character trying to lead, uh, you know, so it could be, you know, you're unwrapping Mary, you're unwrapping Joseph, mm-hmm, you're unwrapping mm-hmm. baby Jesus, you're unwrapping the donkey, you know, or whatever it happens mm-hmm. to be. Um, but you're doing that in an effort to try to, in a very progressed way or progressing way, um, tell the story mm-hmm. so that you're connecting mm-hmm. with the significance of, of what this season means if Jesus is really the yeah. reason for it. And so... Well, and, and I ask that <clears> just <throat> to clarify, there's there's a lot of companies that make advent calendars that are just fun, you know, just yeah. like fun stuff. Yes. But we're talking like, you're talking of a more intentional focus, yeah. right? Of focusing on the Christmas story. A, a, a scripturally rooted yes. 
calendar where you're walking through, you're reading a progression of verses maybe even. There might be some prayers that go along with it. And, and I think that sometimes, you know, in our lower church tradition, for all those who are part of a lower church tradition, and what I mean is um, not necessarily the rote that we see with, you know, the rote and practice that we see in higher church traditions, you know, so higher church not necessarily like liturgy and Catholic, yeah, or, Catholic, um, Anglican, Anglican, sometimes yeah. Lutheran, depending yeah, okay. on, you know, and so, um, you know, Eastern Orthodox as well. But mm -hmm, there are some mm -hmm. good practices that come out of those traditions mm -hmm. uh, that are deeply tied to what we value as restoration movement people, for, for those of you who are listening who are familiar with, uh, with who we are as a group. Um, you know, we've been a people who place a very high value on the Word of God, on Scripture. So anything that moves us into Scripture and meditating on Scripture and, um, in a sense, wondering about those words, I mean, we call that contemplation. I know that even that word sometimes makes people a little nervous. What do you mean by contemplation? All we mean is thinking about, right? So thinking about, meditating on Scripture. So getting, you know, and, and if you're out there just contemplating anything and it's just Eastern mysticism, then yeah, we're not into that. But when you're, when you're contemplating and meditating on the words of God, we're so into mm -hmm. that. And so that is an awesome way. You know, so the Advent calendar, because it often takes a somewhat liturgical approach, <laughs> sometimes people have been a little bit nervous about that or nervous about, you know, celebrating, again, the birth of Christmas or Christ because we don't know really happened if it happened around Christmas time. And Okay, I, I get that. But again, we can acknowledge this is worth celebrating. There's so much meaning in this. We value the coming of the birth, or you know, the birth of, birth of Christ and the coming of God in the, in the form of a baby. We, we value that. How deeply do we value that? How much are we going to prepare ourselves for, again, what should be at the heart of our remembrance this time of year? Because let's be honest, if, if all you focus on is the commercialism this time of year, that's not particularly healthy. Mm -hmm. You know, you call that the pop culture Christmas mm -hmm. or whatever we want to put with it. That's not super healthy. In fact, that can be wildly distracting. And, you know, if we do that just as families, we can actually be teaching our kids the wrong thing during a time of year where we ought to be teaching them some of the best things. You know, we can teach them that, you know, the thing you value most is all the, the wonderful presents you get and, um, you know, the materialism that goes yeah. with it. And so we're setting the stage for things that maybe are not creating healthy people, but if we... Uh, you know, if we set the stage by getting back to um, what we're calling here the Christmas story, um, and you see that God Himself took on flesh, or if we go to the text of Philippians 2, He humbled Himself, made Himself nothing, taking on human likeness. I mean, that's what He did for us. Yeah. If you get your mind around that, if you start to contemplate that, man, it just changes the way you see this time of year. Um, in not small ways. I mean, we're talking about flipping the whole Christmas season, in a sense, on its head to where, mm -hmm. you know, not that you still can't have fun with the commercialism, but, but there are also pieces of that may, may maybe start to rub on you just a little bit, like, oh, yeah. I'm not real sure I feel so good about that. Or, you know, all the things that go along with that, we start to see, okay, what, what should this time really be about, especially for those of us who are the people of God? Mm -hmm. We realize that, again, God was in every detail preparing preparing the way so that that the people would be able to come to God and that this time of year is when God began through Jesus building that bridge or we're celebrating God coming through Jesus to build that bridge. And so, you know, I, I think, you know, again, just a number of ways. I mean, if you, if you don't want to use somebody else's 
guided path for you in an Advent calendar, then just go with Matthew or Luke and and just start reading. Break break up the accounts into you know what would take you. I mean, at this point in time, twenty-ish days to read, or or yeah. less than that by the time that this will actually uh, be published. But break those down into chunks and just read that, and then spend a little bit of time praying. You know, if you've got together with a family or whatever, spend some time really dwelling, focusing on that. If you, if it helps to use an advent calendar, then use an advent calendar. Yeah, spend time preparing yourself for the significance of what we celebrate on December twenty-fifth. Man, I, I agree. I, I would definitely, a person I would definitely recommend to, to try out an advent calendar if you haven't done that yet. Mm-hmm. That is, um, I think it's a really healthy, helpful discipline to walk mm-hmm. through, uh, walk through the story and getting focused. And I would just add on this little drop on December 7th that even when this is dropping, it's not too late. Just hop in there yeah. if you want to catch up or if you feel like that's yeah. too much to catch up, just jump in on day seven and just, right. just move forward with it. But um, to actually to commit to something like that, yes. to an intentional tool that you can use, uh, Uversion Bible app is a great yeah. tool for that. Yeah. If you don't want to go out and buy something or they're not a particular thing, go on the Uversion Bible app. There are dozens of plans for Advent that you can go through that will just walk you through quick devotional thought, a section of scripture, something to meditate on, pray on each day just to help get you centered. We've Mm -hmm. done that several times with the youth ministry where Mm -hmm. we've done like a group version plan that we've all done together. I mean, we've all, everyone who's chosen to opt into that, right? But, um, and uh, it's been a really cool experience. I think just to walk through this story Mm -hmm. together has been uh, really Mm -hmm. special. Yeah, and, and again, if Advent sounds, if the word sounds too strange because it's been used by maybe other higher church traditions for us, you know, kind of more evangelically type Christians, you know, mm-hmm. um, just just know this, that, that Advent really all it means is, you know, and I'm looking at the definition right here. All it means is, you know, that it's preparation. I mean, that's what it's all about. It's, it's preparation for the coming, the first, you know, parousia, yeah. the first coming of Jesus. So we're preparing ourselves to celebrate that, you know, that that moment, that's what we're doing as we celebrate Advent. Now, you know, the reality is Advent began all the way back November 27th, you know, so yeah, we're into it a little bit at this point in time, but you're right. You can catch up or you don't have to do an Advent calendar, sit down and you know, do something to prepare yourself yeah. and be ready because God spent, I don't know, forever, we can mm-hmm. say really preparing for the moment he would send his son. Mm-hmm. We ought to spend just a little bit of time preparing for the moment we remember the time in which God sent his son. Yeah. And just that that act of remembering is so important, I think. And that, that is something that I do mm-hmm. love that we that we have chosen this this day of December 25th in whether it's where Jesus is born or not, it seems like not, that we have chosen this time every year that we're going to come together and that we're going to remember because there's something so important to remembering, to yeah. recentering ourselves on this story. And whether you've done this like tons of times, whether you're, you know, you've done this 60 times in your past or whether this is your 15th Christmas, wherever you're at listening to this, but to come back to this story every year to remember, don't, uh, 
don't undersell that. Don't think that, well, just because I've done this in the past, I know the story, that I don't need to do this, right. that this isn't for me. No, like the, this is why we take communion every week. This is why we do, like right. there's so many things that we do on a regular rhythm. We celebrate Easter every year because like we, we, we need to remember. That's right. We need to set these intentional times aside to remember. So I, yes, absolutely. I love this. I think it's very, really helpful. Um, so as we close, Paul, we're going to hit our final question, and it's just how can we practice what we've learned today to be faithful to Jesus? Yeah. So you know we've we've given a few uh, options already. Yeah. You know, um, you know, find that calendar. Maybe uh, come up with your own rhythm for reading for the rest of it. Be intentional about this. And I would say, um, between now, I mean, if you want to be prepared, make this a daily thing between now. And December 25th or December mm-hmm. 24th mm-hmm. if you want to go through Christmas Eve that's fine make this a daily thing find a time for reading find a time for prayer and you may do you know I mean we we spend a time as a church many of us most of us I would say in prayer and fasting as we get ready to launch into the new year right so mm-hmm. why do we do that to prepare for the new year okay well the new year is a significant thing there's no doubt about it and certainly in our minds new things are significant um, but sometimes really old things are significant, yeah. Yeah. and we should prepare for those as well. And so if we're willing to spend even time in prayer and fasting for the coming of the new year or for the new year as it begins, maybe find a few days to spend in prayer and fasting, mm-hmm. asking God to, because we can't prepare ourselves. Uh, you know, there's only so far, maybe here, here's what I need to say. There's only so far that we can go in preparing ourselves for these kinds of things that have deep spiritual significance. Mm-hmm. We need God to come and help prepare us, to mm-hmm. make us right. And so, you know, even as we, I mean, that's why we pray, that's why we read scripture. It's not because we're in a sense preparing ourselves, it's because we're interfacing with the word of God. We're interfacing with the spirit of God as we pray. Prayer and fasting does that same thing. And so it allows this uh, secondary and even more significant component of preparation to take place where God does work on us, mm-hmm. where God prepares us. And so, you know, I think, how can we practice this to be faithful? Put yourself in a place where you are before God, surrendered to God between now yeah. and, and the time of, of Christmas. Allow Him to have you prepared. And, and I, I guarantee you, if you do this, if you've never done this before, you'll find yourself on Christmas Day Mm-hmm. feeling mm-hmm. the significance, experiencing the significance of the coming of Jesus in a way that you haven't before. So that, that would good. be my challenge. I'm going to add one, one piece to that, yeah, Paul, too, do. and say um, it, it's really really just the same challenge, but I want to echo it even more if you are a parent mm. and if you've got kids in your home right now that I think this is important for all of us, right? This is a, this is a personal devotion of a discipline of preparing ourselves for this story. But if you have kids, then you need to be modeling this for them mm-hmm. too, because you're showing them what matters most to you by how you're preparing for mm-hmm. that, and they're picking up yeah, on that's that. Good. They're picking up on what matters most about Christmas, and this goes for whether you've got a young two-year-old in your house who obviously is picking up on all these signals for the first time, or if you've got a 18-year-old who is a senior in high school, of whomever this is, that they are, that they're seeing from you what matters most about Christmas. And what you're modeling, what you're doing during this season is 
um, it, it's it's establishing that in them. Yes. It's showing them this is at least this is what my parent believes matters the most. So how we how we live this out yes. is is so important that we're modeling it, that you're finding a way that you can be doing this maybe with your family, I think would be ideal. That would be yeah. maybe the prime situation is if you have kids in the house, that find a way you can be doing this Agreed. together. Maybe it's what you're saying, like what you've done as a family, if you have young kids, is find a fun, playful way to mm -hmm. pull this in. If it's opening something up, a new character each day that you're gonna talk about, or um, if you have older kids, maybe it's a little bit more of a focused time of study together. It's five minutes around the dinner table, whatever, however that works for your family. But find a way to do this together as a family. Yeah. That how you model it to your kids really matters. Yep, absolutely. Agreed. Awesome, y'all. So that, I think that's all we got for today. So it's been a good conversation. Thank you, Paul. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Appreciate enjoyed it. it. Um, so if you have any comments, questions, anything that you do to celebrate Advent, to prepare yourself for Christmas, we'd love to hear about that. So let us know about that. Uh, drop us a comment on our YouTube video or on Facebook, whatever. Reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. And uh, until next time, Merry Christmas. And uh, we'll see you all next week.